Hey, thanks for listening in. My name is Pastor Heath, and this is part three of the series, Choosing the Cross. And today we're talking about understanding the cross. In 1999, psychologists designed a test where volunteers uh, watched a video of two groups of people. Some were dressed in white and others in black, and they passed basketballs. And volunteers were told, hey, count the passes of players in white while ignoring those wearing in black. But as they counted, a few in the room saw this man walk in a gorilla suit through the room. And so the study revealed how people can so focus on something that they become blind to the unexpected. In a sense, they focus so hard on something that they are blind to something that is very obvious. And sometimes that's the way we are. We miss obvious things when we're not looking for them. For instance, uh, we use the phrase hiding in plain sight. Well, what does that mean? Uh, if you've ever been to a place, maybe you drive by on the way to work and you don't notice that Maybe that building's been demolished or repainted or that person's house has been changed or whatever it is. You drive by and you're thinking, man, how long has that been that way? I've never noticed that. But literally every day we drive by, we're just so focused on where we're going, what we're doing, that we fail to recognize some obvious things that happen along the way. And so we talk about hiding in plain sight. And sometimes we can focus so hard on what we know that we miss what we don't know. And for the non-Christian, it could be the failure to see the truth of God and Scripture through all the historical and scientific data, we just fail to see it. Uh, but even for a Christian, it can be that we're so focused on what we have heard or seen in church that we miss that God has plainly said some things, some vital truths in Scripture. So we can even read Scripture and miss some things God is speaking to us. We read into it what we want to see, where we pick the parts out that we like to read. And uh, really today we're talking about have we heard about the cross but failed to understand it? Have we heard about the cross but failed to understand it? And really what we're talking about is when we get beyond the Jesus we're all looking for, we'll come to understand the Jesus who really is. When we get beyond the Jesus we're all looking for, we'll come to understand the Jesus who really is. Let me set the stage for you. We're looking in Luke chapter 18, verse 31. And I'm going to read from the New American Standard. But Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Here we find Jesus responding to a rich young ruler. Uh, he's seemingly been faithful in religion. He wants to gain eternity. He's done everything right. He's uh, b obeyed the law. He's fulfilled everything he's supposed to fulfill, and he wants to know what he's got to do. And Jesus uh, says to him, hey, sell everything you have. There's one thing you still lack. Sell everything you have and come follow me. But if you know the story, he fails to trust Jesus uh, because it wasn't the answer he was looking for. But then we find Peter step up to the plate like only Peter can do. Uh, and he says, well, hey, Jesus, we've, we've given up everything to follow you. Uh, and in this moment, that's the moment that this text is the context. Uh, in that moment, Jesus looks to them in Luke chapter 18, verse 31, and talks to them. He says, uh, then he took the twelve aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the chief priests, now we're going to insert Matthew 10, 33 here, to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Let's go back to Luke. And will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, that's the whip, whipped him, they'll kill him, and on the third day he'll rise again. Now here's the key verse for today, Luke eighteen thirty four. But the disciples understood none of these things, and the meaning of the statement was hidden from them. And they did not comprehend the things that were said. Okay, now follow me as we get into this. The rich young ruler lacked something. 
He couldn't forsake it all. But Peter and the disciples, even though they forsook all, Jesus was telling them, you still lack something. They lacked a knowledge of the cross. They lacked a knowledge of the cross. What is God trying to reveal to you today? Now listen in online to this live message recorded at Sanctuary Family Worship Center. Thanks for listening in. So focused on the ball of life, following it around everywhere, we miss that God is in the middle of the room and he's trying to talk to somebody. Amen. And so maybe there's bare truths. And so the question is, are we ready to believe for God and all he has for us? We're talking about buried truth, bare truth, not like the grizzly bear, but plain laid bare. And are we ready to believe? Let's talk about buried truth for a second. Oswald Chambers a uh, great writer, Christian author, uh, said all of heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All of heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. Hell is afraid of it. Men, though, are the only ones to ignore its meaning. And think about it. All of heaven was in anticipation for this one moment. Hell was in trembling for this one moment, and yet the whole world can just let it pass on by. Jesus was focused on the cross. And I think sometimes it's because, like that illustration, we're looking for the Jesus that we want. The, the disciples, they were looking for the Jesus that they wanted. Think about it. What, why did they miss it? Uh, they had heard all these scriptures growing up in, in church, if you will, and growing up in the Jewish temple, growing up in uh, you know, Galilee, where the disciples were from, was a very traditional rural area, a blue-collar fisherman's area. And they were very, very conservative, and they knew the Bible. These young men grew up like old-school Pentecost, like what we would understand today. They grew up on church. They went to church every time the doors were open, right? Grandma raised them in church. They went to Sunday school. They got, went to VBS. They were in youth group. That's what they were. And they knew it all, so they thought. But they were so focused on things like, man, who is this Davidic Messiah going to be? Where's this king? Where's this king of glory? Where's the guy who's going to come and crush it? Who's the guy that's going to deliver us from the oppressors? Who's the guy that's going to make us great again? Where's the guy that's going to build me up? And same thing today. Where's the Jesus that's going to help my marriage? Where's the Jesus going to restore my prosperity? Where's the Jesus going to get me out of debt and, and free my mind from depression? Where's the Jesus going to get me off of drugs? We're so focused for the Jesus that we want. And the Jesus we think we need, sometimes I think we miss the Jesus that is plainly there. Are we choosing the revelation that we're looking for? Matthew Henry, he said it this way. He said they were so focused on the prophecies of his glory and theirs that they overlooked those prophecies of his suffering and death. It was all there, but they were choosing to love and to seek for and looking for all the things that built them up, all the things that were good news in Scripture, all the things that would bring what they were longing for. Man, this was an oppressed people. This was a beaten down people. And they, they wanted that good news. And it was there and it was part of the story. But they missed this other part as he began to talk about the cross. I think about it uh, today. You know, and I love, I love doctrine. I love theology. I think you have to have strong, good doctrine to combat a very rise of false doctrine today. But I know this too. Sometimes we can get so stuck in our doctrinal and theological positions that we're willing to divide the house of God over it. Amen. I should have got a bigger amen than that. It's true. 
We're so focused on what we want to see sometimes in our positions that we're willing to risk dividing churches over it in the kingdom of God. We're willing, I won't even work with them. I can't even fellowship with them. We don't worship together with them because we're so focused on what we like in Scripture, what we see in Scripture. We could say, no, it's eternal security, or no, it's Jesus' name only, or no, you've got to speak in tongues, or no, church should look and sound this way. It's hymns versus contemporary. can't believe that pastor's up there preaching without a tie on. Right? Uh, it's fast versus slow. It's them versus us. And all this stuff, just like the disciples, we can be so religious and we can miss what God is trying to do in the last day's revival in America. Or how often sometimes we hold to our preconceived notions of what we believe, even with it when it differs from what is written. You read the Bible like, I can't believe the Bible says that. Surely that's not for Maybe I need to go see Pastor Heath. Let's go get a different commentary. Let's try a different translation. I don't like that, you know. Or, uh, you know, maybe, you know, God, I really want to hear that. Or does the Bible really say that? Or say, hey, you got to forgive someone. You say, sure, I'll forgive them. They might get that dirty look in Walmart if I see them, right? It's not real forgiveness. We're going to have a compromise here. Maybe say, well, let's go for purity. And it's like, well, you know, if you really, really love them, you don't have to wait till marriage. That's one. Or you think about, uh, it says, give everything you have. And you say, Pastor Heath, it doesn't really mean that. You know, that's like for real serious people. You know, I think I'm giving enough right now in my life. I really need to do these things. Or I really like my four-wheelers, my boats, and my ATVs, and my purses, and my nice shoes. But giving, I'm giving enough. Or if it says go, you know, that's the verse that's just for pastors and missionaries and evangelists. That's, that's that verse, right? We begin to see what we want to see, and we miss sometimes what God is trying to do. And the disciples, they didn't see it either. Jesus had opened this phrase up. Look at that first part where he speaks. He says, And all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. They should have known this. It was there. You know, the Bible, um, conservative uh, commentators and scholars would say today that there are about 300 prophecies or scriptures that we can look back you know, hindsight, and see that Jesus fulfilled. Some are very plain, some are not very plain. But there would be about 300 prophecies that these Jewish boys would have known and have read. And Paul said it in Colossians 1.26, he said, but it was actually a mystery that was hidden for all ages and generations, but is now being revealed to God's saints. God's in the revelation business. Think about it this way. Micah 5.2 says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And Isaiah, this is what some of the prophecies were. Isaiah said that there would be a, uh, one born of a virgin. That, uh, in Isaiah 35, he'd heal all sickness. In 53, he'd be rejected by his own people, and he would be tried and condemned as a criminal. He would suffer with sinners. He'd be silent before his accusers, and he would be buried in a rich man's grave. What are the odds of that, right? Let's go on. Right, Zechariah, all the things that they should have known. Zechariah said there would be one who comes victorious on a donkey's colt. And in uh, chapter 11 of Zechariah, it says that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Chapter 12, he'd be pierced and died. He erased the sins of mankind in one day. And David declared in Psalm 16 that he would be raised from the dead. All of this was so there. It was there. It was a revelation waiting to be discovered by those who would see it. You know, the odds of you becoming president are 1 in 10 to the 7th power. All right? For those of you who... Haven't been to math in a while, right? That means 10 to 7 zeros, okay? Right? Teachers? Okay, making sure. 10 to 7 zeros, right? So that's 1 to 10 million. 
you and I have a 1 in 10 million chance to be the next president of the United States. Sometimes I think that's what happens. They just randomly pick people, right? No. 1 in 10 million chance. Now think about this. That's 1 in 10 million, you and I being the next president. Now a study was done in the uh, late 90s uh, considering what if one person was to fill only eight of the prophecies I just read. Now, there are 300-some-odd prophecies, right? Some of them are duplicates. That's okay. But let's say eight. Let's just focus on eight of them. If one person was to fulfill eight of them, the odds would be one to the 10 to the 17th. So that's one with a 10 or 10 with 17 zeros. That's one in 100 billionth of a chance that one person would just do eight prophecies. You and I have more odds to be the president of the United States than Jesus not being the Messiah just with eight prophecies. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Let's go further, okay? Because that was, y'all didn't get that as amazing as it was, right? So that's one in 100 billion that he didn't, that he's not the Messiah and he's already fulfilled eight of them, okay? The odds of that though, let me put it in perspective, and we've talked about this before, that if we were to take the state of Texas, how many people have driven across Texas before? Long, long road, right? If you would take the state of Texas, you would bury it in two foot of silver coins, quarters, silver dollars, whatever. And we would randomly walk out in the middle of the Texas wilderness, find one spot, mark one coin with an X on it. And we would take a person blindfolded, drop them off on some random highway in the middle of Texas and say, you can only have one coin to pick up in this whole state of Texas. Make a good choice. The odds would be the same that if we would drop that person off in two foot deep of coins across the state of Texas, that the first coin they would pick up would be the coin. That's the same odds that Jesus is not who he says he is. He's the Messiah. That's just eight. That's just eight. It's almost impossible to think about that a person would find that coin. It's almost impossible to think about just Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies would be the same. But let's go further because that's only eight. What if it was 48 prophecies of the 300? 48 prophecies says it would be one to the uh, 10 times. So it'd be one in 10 to the 157th. 10 with 157 zeros behind it. That if Jesus fulfilled 48 prophecies, that he'd be the Messiah. That, that, that there's, the odds are astronomical that he's not the Messiah, it's so unbelievable. And that, again, is only 48 prophecies. Now, let's, I don't even have the data for 300 because the number is so insurmountable that we can't hardly even conceive of a number that big. That one man would fulfill 300 prophecies. It was so plain. It was there, and they missed it. And we look back and think, oh, how in the world, guys? You guys are just, you know, ignorant. How in the world could you do that? But yet today, how are we any different? He was fulfilling all these prophecies right before their eyes, but they could not go with him all the way to the cross because they were looking for a Jesus they wanted him to be, and they were missing the Jesus he already was. Are we looking for a Jesus we want him to be and missing the Jesus he already is? I need a Jesus who helps me in this way. 
I need a Jesus who helps me in this way. I go to that church because that pastor preaches those uplifting, power punch, you know, really relatable sermons. I go to that church because they do it this way. I go to that church because they, that, you know, that's how they like. I watch this guy on TV because that's kind of the words I need to hear. But yet we miss, there's a totality of the gospel that God has gifted a bunch of people and a bunch of churches and a bunch of pastors different ways. And we all take it in. We say, God, what are you speaking to me? Amen. Like, God, what are you speaking to me? Jesus, am I who you, uh, are you who I need you to be? But God, also, is there things that I've kind of put in the way that, Lord, I'm not seeing the whole picture here? Mark Batterson said it this way. He said, I think there are a lot of people in churches today who they think they're following Jesus, but the reality is they've invited Jesus to follow them. Mm. Have we invited Jesus to follow us, or are we following Jesus you know, like the rich young ruler, you can come to church, you can get all the rules right, you can get all the do's right, you can learn all the things of Scripture you think you know, and there can still be one thing you still lack. You can, even like the disciples, give everything you have to the poor, sell your job or sell your boats, leave your job, leave your family, go on a Jesus missions trip, and go. And you can still lack something that God wants to reveal to you because you've got looking for a Jesus you think you need, and it may not be the Jesus that you wanted. Have we truly surrendered what we think we know about Jesus to Jesus? I'll say it again. Have we truly surrendered what we think we know about Jesus to Jesus? That's not the Jesus I know. My Jesus is like this. I don't tell you, there's only one Jesus. He's the way he says he is. He does what he says he does. Are we missing it, church? If anybody wishes to come after me, deny himself, he must take up his cross and follow me. So that was the buried truth. Let's talk about the bare truth. How do we look for that Jesus we need? John Piper said it this way. He said, life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, if we do not cherish it for the treasure that it is and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolish to us, a crucified God must become our wisdom, our power, and our only boast in this world, the cross. 300 prophecies, they saw thousands of miracles, and they still failed to understand. Matthew Henry said, their prejudice was such, they were so strong that they would not understand them literally. They could not understand them otherwise, so they did not understand them at all. I love that. That's so awesome. They, their prejudice was so strong, they would not understand them literally, so they could not understand them otherwise, so they did not understand them at all. Aren't you glad, though, that God keeps it simple for stupid people like me, right? He keeps it simple. And so Jesus comes, I can just imagine him. He's like, guys, you've missed the 300 prophecies. I, dude, I, I'm about to ride on a donkey here in a few days. You're missing it all. I just turned water into wine. I mean, come on. And so I can think, you know, it's like uh, on that movie, it's like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now? Guys, come on. I'm going, let me just put it plain. I know I just walked on water. You didn't get it. Okay, gotcha. I'll give you, I'll give you one. I turned water into wine. You didn't get it. I, lepers walking, demons cast out. Okay, guys, listen, let me just dumb it down a little bit. I'm going to die on a cross, going to be beaten, going to be resurrected. I'm going to come back. Lord, have mercy. You still aren't getting it? And then you wonder, like when Jesus says, how long do I have to put up with you people? It kind of makes sense after a while. Can you, from his perspective? But at sometimes, isn't that not what God probably has to do with me, with you? It's like, 
I died on a cross. I wrote the Bible. I gave you the Holy Spirit. You've spoken in tongues. You've heard the truth your whole life. And I'm still trying to talk to you about something. Don't you believe me when you're going through trials and circumstances? I'm there. Every day the sun's shining. I'm there every day. I'm making the world go around at millions of miles an hour. It's not falling apart. I've got it. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Do you know me? I'm the Jesus, not that you think you need, but the uh, the Jesus that you want, but the Jesus you need. Right? I'm glad God kept it simple. Because I wouldn't have gotten it. Jesus, on his cross... And his resurrection, because he was sure to say about the resurrection, he says, I'm going to die on a cross when I'm going to be resurrected. Christ himself, his cross, his resurrection, stands as the ultimate witness of all time that God loves you. There is no other witness you need. Jesus becomes the greatest witness. John chapter 1 says that Jesus came as the image of God. He's God's son. The word became flesh. It dwelt among us. And we didn't ever seen God before. We didn't know him But John says through the son that we know him. He has revealed himself through his son. If you want to know God, you got to know Jesus. Jesus is the greatest witness that God so loved the world. He sent his son. There's no more proof in the world that God is alive, that God loves you, that he's got everything taken care of. And it's a plain, bare truth. Even Jesus himself said, John, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And, but even then, when the, he says it, we don't always get it. The religious at that moment, when Jesus says, hey, guys, I'm the light of the life. I am who I say I am. Everything testifies about me. I got this thing. I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. Sins are going to be wiped away. And all things are become new. And what happens? The religious looked at him and said, I don't believe it. That's not what I think I know. That's not what I've always heard. That's not what I read into Scripture. That's not what I believe. That's not what I've been taught. That's not the church I go to. That's not the pastor I listen to. That's not the Bible I read. And Jesus would look at them, he says, but guess what? My testimony is true. Why? I know where I came from. I love this. And I know where I'm going. I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from. And you don't know where I'm going. Man, sometimes I I think it's just the same way. I'm bouncing that ball. Focus on that life. Focus on the school. Focus on my kids. Focus on my job. And then Jesus walking through the room like, guys, did you see me just walk through this place? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to talk to you. You're, you're driving down the road. I'm trying to talk to you. You're not there. I'm coming to church. I'm so focused on getting out of church, going to this, going to that, doing this thing in my life. Yeah, I'm not even going to church today. I'm so busy with all these things. And Jesus is walking to the room. Guys, it's like a gorilla in a monkey suit. Y'all don't even see it. You don't even, you don't even see it. He's talking to us. And we lack understanding. But he, told, he turns to those religious in John 8, verse 28. And he says, but when you lift up the Son of Man... Then you'll know I'm he. I love it. When you lift him up, then you'll know who he is. Where was he going? He was going to a cross. And men would lift him up on a cross, but God would lift him up to glory. I know where he's been. I know where he's going. I know that he's coming back. And so it's no longer a buried truth anymore. God has made it plain. He loves me because his son, I can see him lifted up in glory today. He's not just, uh, it's not, it's an empty cross. It's an empty tomb, but God is seated. Now he's seated at the right hand of the father. And today, if you would make a decision to believe who Jesus says he is, God has made it so plain 
And let it not be said of us today that of all the religious people. When Jesus turns to religious people in Matthew 13, he says, You've always kept hearing, but you've never understood. You've always seen, but you'll never perceive it. Why? Because you're looking for something. And that's not what he's doing. You're trying to hear for something. That's not what he's saying. I want to believe the Jesus who really is. And does the cross make sense to you today? And I'm going to just give you the gospel. Because today the truth is this, that God so loved the world, he chose to send his son to save us from the consequences of sin. He came, he experienced our suffering, our death, our pain, our temptation, our sin. He dies as a man and the power of the Holy Spirit, man, he rises to new life, makes all things new. Breaking Satan's power over sin and death, he fulfills all the religious rules against us. And in mercy, he did what we could never do for ourselves. He broke the power that separated us from God. He gave us his righteousness. And now every person by faith, every person with childlike faith, can come freely to him in grace and trust him as Lord. And they live forever. It is plain. That's our story. That's the thing that unites us. That's the thing that brings us together. I want to see all of him. And in John Chapter 5, verse 25, Jesus says, All those who understand, all those who would listen, will live. Miss T, would you come? All those who would listen, will live. Are we listening? Are we seeing today? The disciples didn't understand all this at first. I can't even imagine. They've seen the 300 prophecies come and go, the miracles. They get all the way to the cross. They don't make it all the way there. John's the only one that goes. They stand back at a distance and watch. They don't even go to the cross. And, Lord, I'll die with you. You're, I'm going to take out my cross. I'll follow you. And they can't quite bring themselves to it. They didn't understand it. What's going on? This is all happening so fast. This, I don't, this didn't have time to compute all this. And the Bible says that when Jesus was resurrected and they saw him in glory, when they saw him in glory, They remembered what was written, and they remembered the things that were done to him. John 12, 16. God wants to give you and I understanding today. And let's just not see the Jesus that we think we know. Let's not just see the Jesus we're looking for. Let's see him for who he really is. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. Let's see him for who he really is. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord God, that you brought revelation. And Lord, all the hidden truths of scripture you have now revealed to your church. You're revealing all of the beautiful plans of God to your church. And Father, I pray that we would not be like those in previous generations. God, that you are always revealing things. You're always speaking things. But God, we're so busy with the race of life. We're so caught up in our religion. We're so caught up in our doctrinal positions. We're so caught up in churchianity that we miss things that are so plain that today your spirit is trying to draw us closer and closer and closer. God, are we so caught up in life that we miss, Lord, what you are doing, what you are speaking Father, I just ask you to forgive us. Help us to be that last day's church, God, that sees you raised above everything else. When you see the Son of Man lifted up, then you'll know who he is. Is Jesus Christ lifted above everything in your life? Is he lifted above your religion? 
Is he lifted above your church attendance? Is he lifted above your family? Is he lifted above your job? Is he lifted above your children? Is he lifted above your spouse? Because when you see him lifted up, seated in glory, you'll know who he is. Holy Spirit, come. This is your moment. Most important moment of the whole day right now when the Holy Spirit begins to speak in our quiet time. We ask, Lord, begin to speak to hearts. We are listening, O God. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Holy Spirit, come. Where are you at today, church? Where are you at? Maybe you're going through things. Maybe life is chaotic. God is speaking to you. He's always speaking to you. He loves to talk with you. You're his child. Just as much as you love to talk to your children, even more so, God loves to talk to you. He loves to get to know you, reveal himself to you. Don't think he's not speaking. He's always speaking. But maybe we're so intent to listen for what we think we need to hear. Number one, you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, if I would die today, I would not be certain of my eternity. If I died today, I don't have peace with God. And if I met him on judgment day, I wouldn't be confident in my answer to him or his answer to me. And I want to have that peace, that assurance of salvation. I want to know that I'm saved, that I give my life to him. And I'm ready to give over control of my life to God through Jesus Christ. Maybe you've done it before and you're just ready to make a true commitment, a one-time commitment that you're, this is it, you're all in. And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? You just lift up your hand and put it right back down. I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end that you can pray with our elders. Amen. Lord, Father, you see these hands. Anybody else? Say, that's me.